0: Previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast.
1: Everybody rapping on Jim Varney and the Ernest movies for them being dumb, but you could really flip-flop Ernest
2: Whippedia you and you're getting the same
3: movie. From Delaware, Almost Live,
0: this is a Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. It's episode 50 of The Sports Refuge, the show where guests discuss their connection with sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. It's been a long ride since I started this show in August of 2018, and I wanted to thank all of the faithful listeners who've tuned in since the beginning, as well as the many guests who've been a part of the show. I look forward to having more great conversations, as well as bringing back some of your favorite guests and future episodes. Originally, I was planning to air my episode featuring 15 time Sports Jeopardy winner Vinny Varadarajan and his lengthy run on the show, but I wanted to give that episode the attention it needed. My interview with Vinny will be featured in our next episode. This week, we will focus on the NFL playoffs and the hunt for the Vince Lombardi trophy. 12 teams made the field for the run to Super Bowl 54 in Miami, meaning fans of their respective teams have visions of that trophy dancing in their heads. Now that field is down to 18s. teams. In this special episode, I'll be talking with fan representatives of the teams in the playoffs in both the NFC and AFC. The plan was to have this air before the wildcard weekend, but due to technical issues, there was a delay in releasing the episode. As a result of the time spent interviewing this week's guests, I wanted to get all those interviews in the show. Here's a little more about the guests on this week's episode. Representing the AFC, it's Rick Manick, fan of the AFC North champion Baltimore Ravens. Terrence Blackwell for the AFC East champion New England Patriots. Artie Abbott for the AFC West winning Kansas City Chiefs. And for the wildcard teams, it's Jason Bruce discussing his Tennessee Titans. And Andre Smith discussing his hometown Buffalo Bills. From the NFC. Is Jill Friedle showing her fandom for her beloved Green Bay Packers, the NFC North champions, Jeff Taviano discussing the NFC East champion Philadelphia Eagles, Edward Holland Sr. and Jeff Scott giving their takes on the NFC West champion San Francisco 49ers, Javon Trower discussing his New Orleans Saints, the NFC South champions, while for the wild card, it's Dave Hudson providing his analysis on the Seattle Seahawks and DeAndre Purnell providing feedback on the Minnesota Vikings. Each of the guests will discuss how they became a fan of their respective teams, their preseason expectations, possible playoff matchups, and their Super Bowl predictions. And now, it's time for the Sports Refuge NFL Playoff Podcast. DeAndre Purnell, a Vikings fan, is here to represent the NFC North team. That division's going to have a lot of teams coming out of there, of course, the Packers and the Vikings. And... I'm glad to have him here on the podcast, and I'm glad that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule. I know a lot of things are going on, but I am so glad for you to be here, and I'm looking to talk to you a lot about the Vikings and your Vikings fandom as well. Yes, sir. So, DeAndre, how did you become a fan of the Vikings?
4: I started becoming a fan of the Vikings as soon as Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson got there. That dual combo has made me a diehard Viking fan since day one now. To you,
0: what was the most memorable moment as a Vikings fan?
4: When Adrian Peterson came back from his injury, ran for the two, ran for the record of the yards, came back and won the MVP and offensive MVP.
0: And when you think about that, especially a horrific knee injury and for him to do all that damage, especially coming back off those operated knees, that's just something that nobody would ever expect. It's like when you look at Jamal Lewis, he had the 2,000 yards, then tore his knee up. And wasn't the same after that. But for Peterson, who we can all say as a Redskins fan, he's a freak of nature. He's found a way to continuously be productive over time, no matter how old he is.
4: Yes, sir. He done not defy the age time. Still rushing, still looking good. And I still wish him the best of luck, even though he's with the Redskins now.
0: Coming into the season, what were the expectations that you had for the Vikings? I know they had a little bit of a meltdown, and Cousins didn't perform well when the opportunity to make the playoffs, which uh, for Kirk Cousins seems to be a common thing. Where it, it happened when he was in Washington, and that first uh, year in Minnesota, it seemed like history was repeating itself.
4: Yes, I, a season when I first came in, I had us at wanted us to go twelve and three. I knew we were going to struggle against Green Bay because they always play us tough. I knew we would struggle against the Saints. I really wanted to beat the Seahawks twice, but, you know what I'm saying, that's a reasonable doubt things happen. But uh, overall, I think we did a good – just a little worried right now because we didn't beat nobody in our division at all, except for Detroit. So that scares me going into the playoffs.
0: Was there a point that you felt this team was making the playoffs regardless?
4: Uh I think last week when I noticed that they clinched the division, that's when I, when they clinched their spot, that's when I knew they were going to the playoffs. Other than that, I was a little worried because the Rams got a little hot at the end, and I thought they were going to catch us in the wild card. But uh, I guess we stuck it through, and we got in the playoffs.
0: Was there a point where you're thinking, okay, these guys are not making the playoffs at all?
4: Yes, yeah, so when we kept losing them back-to-back games – The Green Bay game, the Saints, the Seahawks, I'm like, man, we're not going to be. Nobody in this division, and the Rams are going to catch us, and we're going to get an early exit again.
0: Looking at the playoffs now, what do you think, who do you think the Vikings match up the best with in the NFC?
4: I would have to say the Wisconsin Cheeseheads, Green Bay. They're the only ones I want to see in the first round. I don't want to match up with the Seahawks just yet. I just want to take on the Wisconsin Chiefs head first.
0: Who's the team that you as a Vikings fan is worried about the most?
4: The most? Definitely worried about them Saints. I mean, they are they have a lot of weapons. They have, you know what I'm saying? The receivers is good. They got a good quarterback. They got a good backup. They got Alvin Kamara back there. They got a good defensive line. And our line been struggling when it comes to the pass rush. And uh, Kirk Cousins seems to struggle under pressure, so that's something that I want to see right now. So I think that's something we need to work on. Mike Zimmer got plenty of time, but uh, it's playoff time, and we got to do something, bro.
0: With Cousins, and I know it seemed like he's substantially improved before. It seemed like he would pile a lot of stats, especially in garbage time of games that were pretty much out of hand that they were losing. What do you think the biggest difference in Kirk Cousins was this year?
4: I think the biggest difference in him this year was his confidence level. Before, he was a little iffy with the system. Now that we brought the new offensive coordinator in, he's throwing the ball down the field. He trusted in his receivers and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And uh, I think it's there. He just got to have more confidence in himself.
0: And I think that one game that Diggs had after he was sort of not in a good place with the Vikings, I think that started becoming the turning point to me. I think... You know, and Thielen getting on Cousins as well. There was all that talk, too, and then all of a sudden it seemed like they were sort of in step and in sync.
4: Yes, I definitely agree with that as well, too. I guess the constant pressure of uh, him taking fault for what he did, it was also a big way to fess up. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? We always try to help other players out by giving them a little criticism, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? That's sports. We are one team, and we got to try to make it together.
0: When it comes to the playoffs, who do you have going to the Super Bowl and representing the NFC, and what's the final score that you have?
4: I would love to see my Vikings, but I don't have them. But I do have faith that they will get to the NFC Championship against the 49ers, and I have the 49ers winning that division, and then I have the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC, and I have the Ravens winning that. So I have the Ravens versus the 49ers in the Super Bowl, scored 28 the twenty-five.
0: You know, it's funny. A lot of people are talking about Super Bowl. They're expecting it to be a high-scoring affair, regardless of who's going to be in there. And after last year's uh, awful, it was an ugly game. Regardless of whether it was New England on the winning end, had it been the Rams on the winning end, it still would have been very, very awful. It was hard to watch. But I think everybody's expecting at least these teams to combine for 50-plus points in the Super Bowl, regardless if it's New Orleans, whether it's Baltimore, whether it's New England, whether it is the Packers, whether whether it's the Chiefs.
4: Yeah, I can see that. But I think some of the defenses, as they already and played the teams, I already know what to expect. When they first went in, you can do a lot by scouting, but I think it plays more into your hand once you play the team actually physically and see what the coach's mentality is about and what they do on certain possessions. So I think the game will be more of a defensive lot this time.
0: Are you on social media, and and where would people be able to reach out to you if people want to talk to you about Vikings and things like that? Do you do Twitter? Do you do other things like that? I know you're on Facebook, but...
4: Yeah, i on Facebook, and uh, I don't really have any of other stuff. I'm too busy. But uh, they can always send me a message on Messenger or Facebook, and I'll definitely get back with them at ASAP.
0: Well, DeAndre, I really do appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And, you know, playoffs start on Saturday, and we'll see how it goes and how it all shakes out.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, and go Vikes.
0: The New Orleans Saints, the NFC South champs, are running roughshod through a lot of the NFL, especially their conference, and they did it on the strength of Teddy Bridgewater while Drew Brees recovered from an injury, and right now they are sitting pretty as the playoffs start, and with me to discuss the Saints is Javon Trower, someone I had the fortune of covering when he was in high school playing football at Washington High and playing basketball there in Princess Anne, and I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad you're able to be a part of it. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you is, how long have you been a Saints fan? Uh, I'd say I've been a Saints
5: fan probably about 2006 when uh, Reggie Bush had got drafted there. I loved him as a college football player, and I said, man, i got to follow him. It's exciting and, wild. and After that, I just fell in love with the team.
0: In your mind, what is the most memorable moment of being a Saints fan?
5: Of course, us winning the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning. Uh, When a cornerback picked him off in the fourth quarter to uh, to put us up, and uh, yeah, we had a a great team that year, so uh, it was exciting to watch.
0: Going into the season, what were your expectations for the Saints? What did you expect them to do?
5: I expected us to be sitting where we are right now. Um, I'd say that uh, you know we had a a couple hiccups during the season, but I'd say that we stand tall and, and at the top of the NFL. No, we're like third place right now, whatever have you. Sitting tall at 13-3, so um, I had the, the same expectations where we're at right now.
0: Was there a point in the season you felt the Saints were instantly going to make the playoffs?
5: Um, no. i say that we have, like the past five, six years, we've been having great records and great teams. So um, the depth of our team shows that uh, we come to play and we're a top candidate. So making the playoffs is just, a, you know, it's not even the tip of the iceberg the tip of the iceberg is playing in the Super Bowl for us. So them being humble and having a great team with a great coaching staff, making the playoffs isn't really that big to us, I'd say.
0: Was there a point you were a bit worried that the Saints weren't going to make the playoffs?
5: Well, of course, when uh, Drew Brees had got injured, I'd say probably about week three, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in and stepped in. You know, our defense picked up. We were at the top of the NFL in defense at the moment. But, uh, of course, it kind of shook me up because Teddy Bridgewater had – been injured and been studying breeze for a while. Him to come in healthy and play big and not lose a game, that's huge for us. So, uh, you know, he was a savior of our season, really.
0: With the playoffs about to start, who do you think the Saints match up the best with in the NFC?
5: Of course, we match up with your brother's team, actually, uh, the 49ers. I didn't like how we lost in the last 30 seconds of the game, but that says a lot about us. You know, we uh, we can score with those guys, and it was just a full blown-out shootout. So um, they have talent, and so do we. If we come to match up, that'll be probably a really good matchup. So I'll take the 49ers.
0: Who's the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs?
5: Of course, the Baltimore Ravens, the home team. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, they are respectfully great offensively and defensively. So um, they're they're a well-leveled team, and um, a lot of teams struggle to have that balance. The Baltimore Ravens had depth on the defensive end. They made some moves, and on the offensive end as well as Lamar Jackson's having a great year. So um, for somebody to prepare for them, it will be highly difficult, you know, and that's a team that I do not want to run into.
0: I know with the Saints, uh, Drew Brees is sort of starting to get that reputation like Peyton Manning where you can put anybody in there and he can make them a star. Just looking at some of the guys from Marcus Colson back then to some of the players now, Jimmy Graham didn't look as effective once he left New Orleans, and you just see with Kamara and everybody else and even – the way the offense has been used with Taysom Hill playing uh, a bit of a slash it seems like they just keep rolling regardless of what part it was
5: yeah we have a lot of uh we got to give credit to Sean Payton as well you know him, he's a great play caller and uh you know and Hall of Famer Drew Brees you know he's a, he's fan, he's uh spectacular he's fantastic you know when you got a Hall of Famer quarterback and a nice coach just like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick you can expose anybody and you can make anybody a star. So um, I have high expectations for our star players playing in the game. Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. And also uh, a guy that's really coming up is uh, Traquan Smith, number 10. He uh, he makes some great plays also in the slap position. So I'm excited for those guys. And, uh, you know, the playoffs this year I think is going to be a great year. No games off. You cannot slack off of anybody at the moment.
0: Looking at the prediction for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who do you have coming out of the AFC? And what's the final score?
5: Of course, I'll take my team, but I'm also realistic. you know, it's either who's coming out of the NFC, it'll be the 49ers or the New Orleans Saints. And in the AFC, it's going to have to be the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens. So that's my prediction. And if it's either or, but I would definitely would like to see a rematch, but I also would like to see Drew Brees win the ring. But, of course, I will root for the NFC.
0: As I looked for all these different fans around the area, state of Delaware, state of Maryland, maybe state of Virginia, you never know. It's interesting to find a lot of fans of West Coast teams, especially on the East Coast. But... I was able to find a few uh, fans of those teams, especially out in the NFC West, including the Seattle Seahawks, and one of them is Dave Hudson of Del Mar, and I really appreciate you being on the podcast, coming out here, talking about your teams, and I'm so glad to have you on the show.
6: It is my pleasure. You know, the NFL really is a national game, and you find everybody everywhere, so I know it sounds random, but yep, I'm a lifelong Seahawk fan here in Delaware, so... Here we go. So, Dave, how long have you been a fan of your team? Well, the Seahawks and I are almost the same age. Uh, they came about in 1976, and I came about in 1978. So uh, when I was about four or five years old, I was shopping through the old Sears catalog for Christmas because that's what we used to do back in the day. And uh, I came across that old silver, blue, and green helmet, man, and I fell in love with it. And literally, I've been a Seahawk fan since – you know, Steve Largent and Dave Craig and Jeff Bryant and Jacob Green, Nesby Glasgow, Dave Brown, Kenny Easley, you know, all those guys. That's how, that's how I grew up. I, I didn't get to watch them much being in Delaware, but, um, you know, we definitely kept up. I used to actually get Seahawks magazine sent to my house. And back in the day, you know, I'd get it on Monday, but it'd be about the previous week's game. So I would read about the games on a w- one-week delay, but now we got Direct TV and the internet, so it's all good. <laughs> To you,
0: what is your most memorable moment of being a Seahawks fan?
6: Probably the two times I've watched them play live. I was actually fortunate enough to attend Super Bowl Forty Eight um, in in New York when we. Um, beat the Broncos 43 to eight. I was actually in the end zone. I was about by, by 12, 15 rows up in the end zone where they snapped the ball over Peyton's head on the first play of the game. So that was a, uh, so obviously that's that's number one. And um, I actually got to attend in 1999. I got to attend the last regular season game in the kingdom when, uh, when uh, Mike Holmgren and John Kitna knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the next week won the one back then the AFC West um, back before we, uh, Realigned in 2002, I believe it was is when the realignment happened. But yeah, that was the last AFC West division championship that we won. So I, I got to be there for that. So that was pretty amazing.
0: Isn't that weird? Just the transition from going from the AFC West to the NFC West? What was that like seeing that
6: transition? Well, I mean, I still hate the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs. Don't worry about that. I, <laughs> I, you know, the Chargers never really bothered me much because they were good before we were good, and then they were bad when we were fairly decent. So I didn't really have the hate for the Chargers that I had for the others. But, um, but no, I can't stand the Rams and the 49ers. So, uh, yeah. But, but it, it definitely is different. I mean, it was—it's hard to um, let go of that old school hate. But it, it's been—been been seventeen, eighteen years now. So. So I hate the Rams and the 49ers as much as as I ever hated John Elway and those bunch of bums. <laughs> what were your ex- expectations coming <laughs> into the season? Uh, very low. Um, I, when you have a Pro Bowl quarterback, when you got Russell Wilson, you always expect that you're that you're not going to be terrible. I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect to be three and thirteen, but I thought you know eight and eight, nine and seven, uh, something like that. You know, just outside the playoffs, like we were last year. You know, we, we were nine and seven last year and missed the playoffs for the first time you know since uh, 2011. But um, or 2010, actually. But, um, but yeah, I didn't expect to be a playoff, you know, maybe fighting for that last wild card. This season has definitely exceeded my expectations quite a bit.
0: Was there a point in the season that you felt the
6: team was going to make the playoffs? Well, probably the high point and the low point were probably all right together in the very beginning. Well, like I said, in the beginning, I, I wasn't expecting much. We came out the first week, won at home by a point over Cincinnati <laughs> I was thinking man this is not good then went to Pittsburgh week two and one uh, which was exciting then come back home in week three lose to the Saints without Drew Brees so it was kind of a I thought when we, when we beat Pittsburgh we might have a chance and then of course losing to the Saints without Brees I thought it was terrible I didn't know then how good the Saints were but really week five when, when we beat the Rams most people don't realize how much the Rams have owned us since Sean McVay has been there Um, This year, we beat the Rams, like I said, in week five, had to go four and one for the season. But really and truly, that's the first time we'd beat the Rams in three years. And, um, you know, they they play us tough. And again, as you saw just just a couple weeks ago, we got boat raced by them again, 20. 28 to 12 but um but beating the rams going five and one because i always think in terms of 10 wins you know you always think 10 wins get you in if you're five and one, 100 the rest of the season you're 10 and six and then you get in so so once we beat the rams there in week five to go full one um i thought we had a pretty good shot at that point
0: was there a point where you were worried about the seahawks making the playoffs
6: really just in the beginning uh, really just you know Week one, being at home and seeing how much we struggled with Cincinnati, who I, I thought was going to be pretty bad. And then again, coming back home in week three and losing to a Drew Breesless Saints team. When you're a Seahawk fan, you're used to playing great at home. That's been the M.O. for quite some time, and that has not been the case this year. Um, Seattle right now is 7-1 and one on the road, which is amazing. You know, you never see that. You know, not playing well at home early kind of gave me pause. But obviously – Seeing how they rebounded has been uh, pretty exciting, especially how well that they have played.
0: What teams do you feel like you match up very well with in the playoffs?
6: Playoff teams that we've already beaten, we've already beaten Philly, we've already beaten Minnesota, and we've already beaten San Francisco. And we beat those teams in consecutive weeks. So uh, you didn't ask this, but I kind of thought we were going to win the Super Bowl after we beat Minnesota, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> that was pretty optimistic time, but it um, hasn't gone as well the last couple weeks. But the Eagles, I mean, I, obviously I think everyone believes that the worst team in the playoffs is going to be whoever the NFC East champion is, probably the Eagles. I wouldn't be too terribly afraid to go to Philly and play them. But I think the easier path would probably be playing Philly first. What's the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs? That's an easy one. That is New Orleans. I think New Orleans is really good. They've already beat us once in Seattle without Drew Brees. Um, Seattle really struggles with these kind of, you know, dink and dunk crossing route over the middle passes. And I don't think anyone in the league is better at that than Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. Uh, I think that's a really, really bad matchup. I don't think we would stop them very much. Uh, I think they would score in the 30s at least, um, which would put a tremendous amount of pressure, obviously, on Russell Wilson, the offense, to score a mess of points. So that's that's a matchup. And the game, of course, would be in New Orleans. I'd like to avoid the Saints at all costs. I think if we could find a way to avoid New Orleans, I don't think there's another team that we can't beat. But, of course, I think any other team can beat us, too. We're not that good.
0: It seems that in the NFC, when the strong teams are really strong, that you have a situation where you have a Dallas versus – philly trying to win the east uh what does that say about i guess the level of competition in the conference
6: i think in the nfc you really have very good teams i mean it would not surprise me if any of those five teams win um dallas should be as 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 good as anybody but just there um but after that I mean, you've got some pretty bad football teams there at, at the bottom as well. I mean, most of the NFC South is not very good. I think Arizona is a bad team. I think really against more about the haves and have-nots than it is being good or bad overall. I mean, those five teams, New Orleans, San Francisco, Green Bay, Seattle, and, and the Vikings are all good enough and healthy to win a lot of games and, and give, give any lots of problems. It's just the rest of the conference seems to be poor.
0: I know the, one of the big things that the Seahawks have been struggling with are injuries to the backfield and as well as you know the suspension of, of Josh Gordon when it seems like he was finally coming along after getting let go by New England. How do you feel that the Seahawks will be able to overcome a lot of those issues?
6: So the big issues, is Quadre Diggs, Shaq Griffin starting the corner, you've got uh, uh, Jadavis. J- Clowney was out last week without the guy. Clowney and Shaq are going to be back. I don't think Seattle can win significant playoffs without Quandre Diggs and Dwayne Brown. They may have to play the rest of the playoffs without Dwayne Brown. But of course, going back to win when you're a Seahawks fan and you bring back Marshawn Lynch, you don't really care about who get lost. It's hard to describe the love that a fan base has with a player. Uh, like Marshawn and the Seahawks. I, there, there's a picture of Marshawn Lynch hanging in my house. There's another person's picture who's hanging in my house that I'm not related to. I mean, <laughs> Marshawn, the beast, is special, and uh, you know we are super excited about seeing him back in this week. I, I can tell you that. I'd give him the ball 40 times.
0: <laughs> How much do you think he has left, especially sitting out a chunk of the season and it's starting to reach that age where running backs start to break down? Do you think he has enough for a first heading into uh, the Super Bowl?
6: Marshawn Lynch to me is a lot like Barry Bonds. Like I, I would sign Barry Bonds today, 50 years old, however old he is. I, I, I believe the man can hit the ball out of the ballpark any day of the week. I believe Marshawn Lynch can take the ball to the end zone any day of the week. Um, so I'm the wrong guy to ask that. I, I, I'd sign Marshawn on this 20 years from now if I could. Um, but I understand it, it is a valid question. And the reality is no one knows the answer to it. Um, Marshawn didn't have the quickness in Oakland that he had in Seattle. Um, he was certainly as tough of a tackle. And I think that's what he is probably. Um, you know, all, all optimism aside, he's probably a short yardage, tough, straight-edge guy. Um, that's probably who he is right now, and um, I think they're going to let him play. I wouldn't be surprised if he got you know eight or ten carries, uh, which, again, like you said, to, to a guy that hasn't played football in a year, that's a lot of carries in an NFL game with the division on the line on prime time week 17 against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I, I think you're going to see 24 get the ball some.
0: Going to the Super Bowl prediction, who do you have representing the AFC, who do you have representing the NFC, and what will be the final score?
6: Well, that's a great question. You can probably tell already how I feel about the NFC. I, I really it's New Orleans. I think that's the team to beat. Um, I picked them last year, and you see how that, where that got me with the uh, pass interference call. But I, I just like the way that they're structured. I think they can, they can throw the ball and beat you. They can run the ball and beat you. They can stop you on defense when they need to. They're not a great defense, but they're not a bad defense. Um, I like them. I think Jimmy G is the problem. San Francisco. San Francisco is probably a better overall roster than they are from, uh, from the top to bottom. But I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to, to do what he needs to do yet. Yeah, maybe he will in the future, but, but, but not this year. So I like New Orleans. The easy pick is Baltimore. Uh, they look great. They came into Seattle and beat us, too. Um, they've got Earl Thomas, who I, of course I'll always love. Um, and, and that defense is amazing. Lamar Jackson looks like the best player in the league right now. Um, so I'd say Baltimore sleeper pick would be Kansas City. I, I do think Kansas City might have something for them. I, I do think Patrick Mahomes brings something to the table that frankly no other quarterback in the league brings. But if you had to, but you ask me right now today, I'm going to say New Orleans beats Baltimore, 31 to 24.
0: I expect it to be a high-scoring game, really, between those two, if those two teams match up. But you never know, because you can always think the two high-scoring teams It's going to be a defensive stalemate. Hopefully it will not be a clunker like last year's Super Bowl.
6: Yeah, you saw last year's Super Bowl 13-3 to against you know the Rams, who looked like they could score 100 points a game last year, and they got held to a field goal in Super Bowl, so you never know.
0: The Philadelphia Eagles are the NFC East champions, And, of course, it came down to the final game of the season. And I know someone who probably is one of the happiest Eagles fans right now. It's Jeff Talviano. Of course, he's been a guest on this podcast before. You guys learned a little bit about him and his background playing baseball and being a big Philly sports fan. And, Jeff, I'm glad to have you back on the podcast to talk about the Eagles really coming into this playoff game, this playoff series, especially as everything goes down to the role to the Super Bowl.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that team—they fought great. The way they bounced back from that Dolphins game, winning—you know—four straight. It's or uh, yeah, yeah, three straight. It was yeah, that was um, that was a good firepower. So yeah, as an Eagles fan, I'm definitely excited. Um, we got a lot to look forward to. You know, I, I know that team. They're celebrating. They're already looking ahead. They're, they're definitely believing. You know, they battled adversity, battled injuries, they battled the critics, they battled everybody this year. And For them to fight and get that playoff spot, that's big.
0: For those who may not know, how long have you been a fan of the Eagles?
2: Well, I mean, I first started watching them uh, during Ray Rhodes last year, so I'm, that was about like '98. But my first year that I got really excited was watching Donovan McNabb play the, his uh, rookie season. Um, I know they missed the playoffs that year, but like it gave you something as like a sense to look forward to as they build the team and. Um, you know, it showed a lot of promise because he looked you know, really talented in his rookie year. And, uh, of course, that sparked a great, great era in Philadelphia sports history with the Eagles and Andy Reid. So, yeah, that's kind of where I became an Eagles fan.
0: To you, what's the most memorable moment of being an Eagles fan? And I think I already know what it oh, is.
2: It's definitely a Super Bowl, and um, we went to downtown Philadelphia to watch the game. We were at, I think it's called Tavern Misconduct, which is a big Philly sports bar there. And the atmosphere was just electric. I've never seen a friendlier environment, a happier environment. But yeah, it was It was definitely one of the best times in my life watching the Eagles as far as um, sports enthusiasm goes.
0: What were your expectations coming into this season? I know after the playoff exit last year and Foles gone, there had to be a lot of focus on whether Carson Wentz would make the adjustments to stay healthy and then to progress becoming a franchise quarterback.
2: Well, I never questioned whether Carson Wentz could stay healthy. I mean, he did it his rookie year. He never got a chance to fully heal coming into last year. But uh, my projections, I had them at 12-4 and four coming into the season. I really thought they'd be great. And you know, the fact that they, they won the division with you know, 11 starters out, You know, so many players went on IR. These were the big star players that were missing, and they still made 9-7. And you look back at their losses, you know, the Falcons game, the Lions game, you know, both games where they were so close, you know, missed touchdown here, missed touchdown there. Those are big game changers, and a lot of their games with the Patriots, the Seahawks, they played tough, and they played right with them. And, you know, you had inspiring wins against the Packers and Bills, but then you had just those bad losses, you know, with the Dolphins and everything, so... There's a lot to look forward to coming into the season. It definitely looked like this was going to be a team to win the division, no doubt. And, of course, they did. And the fact that they did with as many players missing just goes to show, what if they had their starters? You know, they could be playing for a one or two season.
0: Was there a point in the season that you felt, okay, the Eagles are easily going to make the playoffs?
2: Um, I was definitely inspired by the Green Bay game. The way they bounced back after losing to the Falcons and Lions by, you know, really. One play late in the game in both games. You know, you had two touchdowns dropped in both games at the end. And uh, the way they bounced back in Green Bay, a hostile place to play, uh, against Aaron Rodgers, who's a great quarterback. They came in there fighting, and that gave us a lot of belief. You know, this team, they have the talent. They can win with these big boys, you know. And they did it again against Buffalo.
0: On the other hand, was there a point where you were worried that the Eagles would be missing out on the postseason?
2: Definitely the Miami game. Once we got there, there was a key play that uh, that went when he missed Miles Sanders in the flat that could have been a touchdown. It was. It just kind of felt like that was the wheels falling off the wagon right there. Um, but they bounced back. You know the way they fought back through the rest of the season. That just goes to show that you know they answered the call. They felt it. They felt it was a low point themselves, and they came back and answered the call for that to win to win the NFC East.
0: Looking forward to the playoffs. Who is the team in the NFC playoff field you feel like the Eagles match up the best with?
2: Uh, Definitely Seattle in the first round. I I think that's their best matchup. Minnesota, that team with two receivers. I know our secondaries play great as of late, but, you know, they torched us earlier in the season. And I think they can beat Minnesota, but the matchup the best would be definitely Seattle. The Eagles played within a touchdown with them. They handled Russell Wilson well, and he's an excellent playmaker. But uh, they held Tyler Lockett to zero receptions in that game. And the running backs that were killing him, Rashad Penny, he's, he's out for the year. Um, I know they resigned signed Marshawn Lynch, you know, but you got to you know, think about how, how much of the playbook he can learn in the next two weeks. I'm sure they got a fast playbook where you can't just come in for every single play. And I think Jordan Howard is going to have a bigger role in coming into this game. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the Seattle the most.
0: Who's the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs?
2: It's obviously New Orleans on the road. It's not that I don't think the Eagles can beat them. They, they do have a chance. The way they bounced it up last year after getting spanked in the regular season by them shows that they have, you know, when they're playing full heart, they can play with anybody. But going against Drew Brees in a dome with Michael Thomas, uh, Alvin Kamara, they got so many weapons. Uh, Jared Cook's going off now, too. Uh, yeah, they got so many weapons that it's tough. And plus, Tyson Hill, you can never count him out. He's a big skill guy. Um, So that's definitely a team I wouldn't want to see the most. But, again, if the Eagles play them, I think that it'll be a good game.
0: What would be the key to a prolonged Eagles playoff run, especially losing a lot of their receivers and just sort of picking up guys off the street just to try to fill in? I remember Ward having the big game against the Redskins, that touchdown late. How do you try to stay healthy, especially this is a time of year where it's a battle of attrition and, you know, as long as I guess Ertz is the – Healthy guy because that's Wentz's big target right now because that's the only familiar guy he has.
2: Uh, it's definitely resiliency. I think that their best chance is if they can stay healthy, at least what they have now, and they get the Sean Jackson back for the division round if they can get there. Um, so they'll have players coming back. I can expect Jordan Howard. He might he might not have been a hundred percent. That's why he was you know only for one play tonight. But I think when he comes back, he gets a bigger role next week, especially if you know Miles Sanders' injury is severe. But I think if, if this team can stick together the way they are, they can make a deep run. Just injuries, they, they really got to stop there. There's a lot of players out, and, you know, you can, you can only go so deep, but when you're playing against these tough teams on the road, which eventually they'll have to do, you know, it's going to be tough having two, two of your offensive linemen out, you know, the entire receiving core out. It's going to be tough. Plus, with injuries coming to the running back, you know, staying healthy is key. You know, they've done so much, but you can imagine how far it can go if they get more injuries.
0: Super Bowl prediction. Who do you have representing the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what will the final score be?
2: Uh, well, I can't count out the Ravens. I, I think that's the the front runner right now in, in the AFC, just offensively and defensively. Everybody, you know, looks at little Lamar Jackson's doing that quarterback, and he's got that offense running on all gears. And I think with the defense, that defense is scary too. You, know, you got Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters back there in the secondary. You can't really throw against them, and you know they have a good front. Their defense is holding them in games, and you have to think any any game to beat the Ravens, it's got to be a shootout. And if they have that quality defense, it's can you score points against their defense? And uh, I think them and I think Aaron Rodgers in in Green Bay is going to surprise a lot of people in the NFC. Um, This team, they always just find ways to win. It might not be pretty. But they always find a way to win, and I think Aaron Rodgers gets to the Super Bowl in the NFC this year. When it comes down to it, between the two, I think the Ravens can do it. I think Lamar Jackson, just what he's done so far this year, I mean, it's 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 remarkable. You know, no quarterbacks can do what he's done, both rushing and throwing. And right now, I don't think there's a defense out there that can stop him, especially the Packers. They struggled against a run this year, and yeah just with him and Mark Ingram. And then, you know, look at their receivers. you still got to play your secondary back. You know, Marquise Brown can burn anybody. And, you know, they got great tight end play for Mark Andrews at all fences on all gears to couple it up with that great defense to come back him up. It, I think that's the Super Bowl matchup, and I think the Ravens are going to win it.
0: In the AFC, of course, the team to beat has to be the defending champions right now, the New England Patriots. And with me to discuss the Patriots is Terrence Blackwell, a contributor to the blog. And as well, a lot of you guys heard his podcast, one of the most popular podcasts of 2019 on the Sports Refuge. And I really appreciate it, Terrence, for you taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show, especially to talk about your Patriots fandom, which was something we were going to talk about before.
7: Absolutely. I'm thankful for you to me.
0: How did you become a Patriots fan?
7: Oh, boy. Um. So, honestly, I picked the Patriots off of blind luck. I picked all my favorite teams when I was four years old. I'm 25, so 21 years ago, before Brady had gotten to the league, before Belichick was a coach for the Patriots, my coach was actually Pete Carroll, and my quarterback was actually Drew Bledsoe. I picked the Patriots because my sister and my mother are Dolphins fans, and honestly, I was that kid that would just love to annoy people, and because of that, Miami and New England's always a huge rivalry. They never seem to like each other, Actually, you can know, tell with the game that just happened. Um, so yeah, my mother and sister definitely got a little chuckle out of what happened today.
0: What would you say is your most memorable moment as a Patriots fan?
7: Oof. Um, if I had to choose one, it would have to be 2014 Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler, Marshawn had just marched the ball down the field. They were inside the five. Um, and out of nowhere, Pete Carroll does what he does when it comes, even back when he was at USC, where he throws on first and second down inside the three-yard line. And um, Bill just had to be smart enough to know that that's what they do and send Butler out there to go make a play. It left me speechless.
0: Heading into the season, what were the expectations for the Patriots?
7: I thought it'd be a 13-3 and three or a 12-4 and four season, and I just hoped that we could have got a, one of the two seeds, but um, obviously that didn't happen. But um, the plan was always to just get into the big dance and just start making some noise after that.
0: Was there a point in the season that you felt the Patriots were going to make the playoffs? Was there one definitive moment?
7: I would say when we had like our little gauntlet where we had to play – the Chiefs, Texans, Eagles, Cowboys, Browns, all those teams back-to-back-to-back to back to back in that stretch. I said that if we could go 4-2 or 3-3, three and three, I I would have a pretty good uh, feeling on how our team would be. And I think we went 4-2 that stretch.
0: Was there a point you were worried about the Patriots making the playoffs, which is really a laughable question, especially with as weak as the AFC East is?
7: Um, No, I knew at the bare minimum we would win the, the division. But um after that... I did expect the Chiefs to be a little bit of a threat. I knew that Lamar would, you know, start making some strides. I didn't think he would be this, because that man, it's, it's, it's just crazy. But I did expect to be one of the three top seeds.
0: Looking at the playoffs, who do you feel is the team that the Patriots best match up with in the AFC?
7: Honestly, I think that the, the best matchup right off the bat, the Titans, they have essentially half of the Patriots squad. They have Logan Ryan, ex-Patriot, Mike Vabrell, head coach. He played for the Patriots. You have Dion Lewis, an ex-Patriot as well. Um, I feel like we kind of know them a little bit, just a little. I, mean, I think that uh, that's a good way to get ourselves started in the playoffs.
0: Who's the team that you don't want to see in the AFC playoffs?
7: Chiefs, absolutely. And it's kind of weird that as soon as we lost this game, the Chiefs leapfrogged us, and now we've got to go to them. I've always been worried about the Chiefs, especially last year. But now that they've added McKeel Hardman, that is a huge, huge, huge thing that we have to guard and we have to look out for because Hill can do his thing. Uh, Travis Kelsey can do his thing. People still forget about Sammy Watkins. He can still do his thing. Hardman just, just icing on the cake.
0: Looking at the Super Bowl prediction, who do you think represents the AFC? Who do you think comes out the NFC? And what is your final score?
7: Um... I'm speaking with my heart here, strictly my heart. I learned my lesson last year again. Um, I, I caught a lot of heat for this, as you all well know, uh, picking against the Patriots last year. I'm not doing that again this year. I believe the Patriots will go to another Super Bowl, and I believe that we will have a matchup with Tom Brady's childhood team and against his former backup in the San Francisco 49ers. I believe that the Patriots will come out on top of that one. Um, I'm looking at about 33... To twenty-seven.
0: I thought you were gonna pick the uh, three-point margin because that's how the Patriots won a lot of their Super Bowls by three points, especially uh, the first what, first
7: three? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like this year Bill Belichick is on a mission. Lamar's doing a great job with you know picking and choosing when to throw, when to run, knowing when to get down and stuff. But uh, I really don't think Bill's gonna let anyone just bombard him two straight times and beat him like that, the way that they beat us last week was week 10. I just don't see that happening, and I don't think that the Chiefs, Andy Reid will show his colors. He seems to not win the big game when he needs to, and I think that'll rear his ugly head. And Texans, I just feel like they just won't be that team in the playoffs.
0: How important is Rob Gronkowski's absence to this New England team, especially it looks like the offense hasn't been as dangerous as it used to be Uh, in the past once Gronk
7: was on the field? It's a huge blow. There's times, even from when he was drafted, Tom would literally just throw it up and just say, he's over there somewhere, I'm just going to throw it to him. In the middle of like four people against the Broncos, and he walked up to Gronk and was like, how did you catch that? I'm editing what he actually said to Gronk, but I was like, (laughs) no, that guy literally was just like, how did you catch that? And now that he doesn't have that tight end at all, because there's no answer for him. You can't put a linebacker on him, he's too slow. You can't put a safety on him. He's too small and see him at the corner. Issues not having him there, but um, I think Josh McDaniels, Brady, and Belichick will figure something out and at least make it bearable to watch the Patriots offense.
0: I guess now if they could find a George Kittle type of tight end because that's the new tight end. Before it was Jimmy Graham. Before that, it was Tyler Eifert. Yep. And now, you know, if you find a Kittle type tight end in New England, man, they would be really, really scary.
7: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you can't really guard. I mean, you can't really have everybody or even that type guys like Rob Gronkowski and Kittle and Kelsey and Ertz, those guys really don't just come around every once in a while. You have to drift them well. And on top of that, uh, with the salary cap error, the way that we're in now, it's hard to really even keep and get a guy like that, especially coming to New England.
0: Which is funny because you think everybody would want to take a, a pay cut just to be a part of a winning team.
7: You would think, but right now I think, and you've been seeing like the past five, seven years, like James Harrison and a whole bunch of other guys, they'll literally take less on the back end of their career to come back and try to win a ring if they haven't already. I think people now, they want to beat the Patriots and not join them to win. It's like the Golden State Warriors in basketball. No one really wants to come to New England and play. Bill's a grinder. He really grinds his players day in, day out. Um, even Tom Brady, who I, who I consider is the best quarterback ever. This guy, literally, unless you someone on the NFL 100 team, he doesn't really give his players and his quarterbacks a lot of credit. So it's kind of hard if you're a superstar veteran coming into New England because you just don't know what you're going to get from week to week.
0: Looking at the AFC playoff race, the final seed is in, it's the Tennessee Titans, and with me is Tennessee Titans fan Jason Bruce. Jason, thank you for being on the podcast. I know it's very exciting, especially the Titans getting in, especially on the final day. To you, I know you have to be excited right now.
8: Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is what you want out every year. You've got to get into the playoffs. You've got to get into the dance.
0: How long have you been a fan of the Titans?
8: I held off on officially jumping on the bandwagon until they officially became the Titans in 98-99, when they officially announced the name and the new colors and the stadium coming, but uh, I paid attention to the Oilers, but I would never have said I was a Tennessee Oilers fan.
0: What was it about the name change that just sort of made it official? Was it more of a clean slate and no more... Following that history, okay, this is a completely different team. No more look-backs and nods to Houston anymore and the Oilers franchise and stuff like that.
8: That's it. It was just that, you know, we're going to have It's going to be our own building. You're not playing at Vanderbilt anymore, trying to make things work in Memphis like they tried for a year, which was horrible. And um, just having your own identity at that point. At that point, this is the football team that's not in Knoxville. This is Tennessee's football team now.
0: What was your most memorable moment as a Titans fan?
8: Oh, easily the Music City Miracle, definitely. we were. Uh, I was actually coaching wrestling out in Tennessee at the time, and we went in between in between sessions of a tournament. We went out to to a restaurant, and we're watching the end of the game. And Buffalo kicks the field goal to go up with, I think, 13, 14 seconds left at that point. And um, about a half dozen or so people get up to go to the bathroom, clear their check, leave. And the rest of us are sitting there, you know, just kind of waiting it out. And as Wachek throws back and the lane opens up down the left side, the entire restaurant at once rose to its feet and watched watched Kevin Dyson down that sideline. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. But, um, yeah, it's never gotten any better than that. We paid for it dearly two weeks later, coming up one yard short. But still, nothing like that Music City miracle.
0: I know, and it's still a weird sense of karma as well because – that that sort of payback in Oilers history for that comeback against Frank Wright and when Frank Wright brought the Bills back down a ton of points. What I think about 35 points at one point and, yeah. and beat him in overtime. And I mean, while yeah. the history was trying to be separated from Houston and the Oilers, that sort of in that history, it's like okay, payback against the Bills for what they did. Almost I guess at that time almost close to six, seven years before that.
8: Yeah, that was, it, the Bills have never gotten over that. You still can't find a Bills fan that doesn't think it was a forward pass.
0: I know, and to me, I, I still can't tell. It, it's it's one of those things where it's indisputable evidence. You can't really tell. And, A, at that moment, I remember watching that game, and it's like, that is one of the craziest moments ever. And And to that day, I can't tell if it was a forward pass or not
8: you got to look at where it left his hand. It leaves his hand, and you can see down the, down the yard line. It leaves his hand in front of the yard line and is caught literally two inches over the back of the yard line. So, legal lateral.
0: <laughs> Heading into the season, what were the expectations? Was it to fight for the division, especially after the news that Indianapolis was going in without Andrew Locke and, and everything like that? What did you feel the Titans could do, and what were you expecting?
8: Oh, coming into the season, I, we absolutely expected the division, a hundred percent. With luck out, and you're thinking that um, Houston's hit or miss. You don't know what they're doing. They trade Clowney right before the season gets going. You know, you don't know. And I, we thought we were we were a little overconfident coming in. Our biggest question coming into this year was all right, this is make or break for Mariota. We've got to have him. He's finally got to break out, become his own player, become his guy now, and do it consistently. And, and it didn't happen. He didn't do it. So if you had gone into this season and told me, you know, Mariota's not going to be your starter in week eight on, I would have thought three and 13. Was there a
0: point in the season that you felt this team's making the playoffs? Was there a point when thinking this team can make a run?
8: After the three in a row, three in a row of, I think, 12, 13, and 14, we knocked those off. I thought, we're in. We're going to get this done. We knew we had to have one out of the two against Houston. I thought we really could have gotten both of them. And then, you know, I knew New Orleans was going to be a tough one, but you've still got a chance to pull that out. And at that point, you're hoping New Orleans doesn't have anything to play for, but the top seed being what it was out in the NFC, everybody had something to play for.
0: Was there a point you were worried about the Titans not making the
8: playoffs? Oh, two and four. Easy. Yeah, two and four, I thought we might have been cooked.
0: What team do you feel like you would best match up well with in this whole
8: bracket? Yeah, hate to say it, but New England. I, I hope we didn't wait until New England woke up. I think we can put pressure on Brady, and if anybody can put pressure on Brady, you've got a chance going into that game. We're going to go offensively. It's, it's on 22. If Mr. December shows up, and plays like he can, like a 6-foot, 5-inch, 250-pound monster can run the ball, we're in great shape there. But I think our best bet is the one we've got against New England.
0: Who's the team you don't want to see in the
8: playoffs? Nobody wants Baltimore right now, and that pains me dearly. I am anti-Raven in every way possible, but um, yeah, nobody wants any of Baltimore right now. You can't touch them.
0: Coming to the Super Bowl prediction, before we get to that, I was thinking, really, what is the biggest difference that Ryan Tannehill has brought to the Titans
8: as opposed to Mariota? Passing consistency. Passing consistency. Mariota, I've never thought Mariota threw a great ball. He's got the weird kind of Vince Young, almost sidearm motion. It doesn't lead to a good true ball, a good true pass. Tannehill's, you know, He's your prototypical, nice, boring, game-managing pocket passer, and I love that.
0: Yeah, and I always feel like the fewer turnovers and the fact that if he can just move the ball, and I feel like he's a lot different than the guy he was in Miami, and I think maybe the system wasn't right for him then, and and you look at the Jets, and you look at Adam Gaze, and you think of the offense the Jets are running and, and looking at what uh, he ran in Miami, maybe this was a better fit for Tannehill, especially I think... Coming into the league, he was still making that conversion from a wide receiver to a quarterback as well.
9: Yep, coming out of A&M.
0: When it comes to the Super Bowl prediction, who do you have representing the AFC, and who do you have representing the NFC, and what's the final score? Uh,
8: As I said, if um, the Titans get a good matchup and everything goes our way this weekend in New England, I think we get... Past them, and then I think our run dies in Baltimore. And then unless, I would love to see Kansas City and Pat Mahomes get there. I like watching him play. But you got to love the way Lamar plays. You bet with head instead of heart, it's got to be Baltimore. There's no way anybody gets out of there. In the NFC, it's hard to discount what New Orleans is doing right now and especially if they go find some kind of a crazy X factor in Antonio Brown, if there's any way they can make that happen, that's a scary, scary offense. So I would say right now, if we had to place wagers, I'm saying Baltimore, New Orleans, and I think Breeze gets another one. I think Breeze gets the second Super Bowl. Man, you
0: know, and the thing is, I feel like, Another Super Bowl win for Breeze puts him in that echelon that puts him up there with Eli and Peyton. And because everyone talks mm-hmm. about winning one, that might be a fluke. Winning a second one, that's when you start getting talked about in the names of the upper echelon. Of course, right now everybody's below Tom Brady, but he'll be in there with Ben Roethlisberger as well. And that'll be very interesting, too, what his legacy will look like, especially once he goes into Canton. Whatever that is, five years from when he retires.
8: Right. At this point, you're thinking him hey, and Brady gonna play another fifty.
0: Hey, you know the way things are going now, modern technology and all that stuff, we might see more of the, uh, uh, more of the uh, George Landis and Y.A. Tittle's playing for a very long time, especially in this day and age.
8: God, it's crazy to think those guys played that long back then, when the safety equipment and everything wasn't nearly what it is now.
0: The Buffalo Bills are back in the playoffs in the AFC. And I know a lot of fans are rejoicing. And one person I think I know is very happy about that is my next guest repping their Bills fandom, Andre Smith, one of my former coworkers at the News Journal in Wilmington. Thank you for being on the show, Andre. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this.
1: Oh, man, I'm excited. Uh, you know, anything talking Bills, I'm down big time.
0: So how did you become a Bills fan and how long have you been a Bills fan?
1: Um, I was born and raised in Buffalo, so, you know, I grew up hearing nothing but Buffalo Bills. Um, I will admit that I do have a soft spot for the Indianapolis Colts as well. I'll admit that off the top, but the Bills are the home team, being born and raised in Buffalo, you love the Bills. So, you know, I guess I started liking football probably uh, as an 8, 9-year-old, you know, back when I think Joe Ferguson was probably the quarterback of the Bills then. And, um, you know, we had season tickets uh, as a young kid, so I was always going to Buffalo Bills games with my dad and my stepmom and, uh, you know, just always loved the Bills.
0: What is your most memorable moment as a Buffalo Bills fan?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, There are so many. I mean, I've not cried over very many football games in my life, but uh, I think just about every Bills fan shed a tear when uh, Scott Norwood went wide right. In Super Bowl 25, I think that's that's the most memorable moment. Um, you know, it's not a great moment, but that's definitely the one that's just always top of mind for Bills fans. Uh, if I had to say the most memorable happy moment, probably was when we beat the Raiders 51 to three, or or the biggest comeback. I mean, there's just so many. You know, there's just so many. Um, Bruce Smith is is the reason why I wanted to be a defensive lineman. Um, I I modeled my game after him. There's just so many memorable players, so many memorable moments. Uh, You know, nobody circles the wagons like the
3: Buffalo Bills, (laughs) baby.
0: What were your expectations going into the season? I know uh, Sean McDermott was trying to continue his overhaul of the team following the Rex Ryan stint and and the Doug Marone stint as well. What were you thinking the ceiling was for the team?
1: Um, You know, coming into the season, Bills has always kind of had this expectation of, you know, they want to be optimistic and you know, we're going to make the playoffs. But in the back of your mind, you're just thinking, you know, which Bills team's going to show up from week to week. Um, looking up and down the Bills schedule, I was just looking at some texts with, uh, with a friend of mine from Buffalo, and I said the Bills were going to be 9-7. And, seven, and um, I thought that they would get into the six wild card spot. So they achieved a little bit more than that with the fifth spot in, in ten and 10-6. But, you know, um, I really thought the toughest part of the schedule was going to be toward the end of the schedule. You know, we started hitting – um, Thanksgiving Day with the Cowboys and then the Ravens, Steelers, Patriots. I really thought that was going to be a tough stretch for the Bills, and I thought that was going to be where we really found out if they were going to make the playoffs or not.
0: Was there a point of the season where you thought, okay, the Bills are a short shot making the playoffs?
1: Uh, you know, it wasn't really until we beat the Steelers. That was kind of the clincher, but, you know, you just look at you knew we had a pretty good chance after we beat the Cowboys we're like okay you know we got out of here we beat the Cowboys pretty bad when they played the Ravens to 24-17 i thought you know this team is for real this is the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs and then when we when we beat the Steelers i was like all right you know we're in and even when we when we played the Patriots to 24-17 you know you just you just got this feeling like the Bills could be dangerous in the playoffs. It's not the type of team you want to see uh, with a hot defense and a quarterback that's got some confidence now. Um, you know, the Bills could be that dangerous team.
0: Was there a point you were worried about the Bills making the playoffs at all?
1: We lost to Cleveland. That 1916 16 lost to Cleveland. My entire family was down here from Buffalo. We watched that game together here in Delaware. And, um, you know, we, we were kind of looking at each other like, wait a minute, man. Uh, we're not supposed to be losing to the Browns. Um, I think that they were actually three-point dogs that week, which none of us can really understand. And uh, I call that the Vegas game, you know. I'm like, hey, 19-16 loss to the Browns. Somebody made some money that week.
0: (laughs) Looking at the playoffs now, who do you think the Bills match up the best with?
1: Um, You know, I think that the Bills are... A lot of people disagree with this, but I think the Bills are a good matchup for the Patriots. I think that if the Patriots-Bills meet again, I think the Bills have a really good shot. You never know what Belichick is going to dial up uh, with his defense, but you know, um, I just think that the Bills and the way they play defense, uh, the way they fly around, the way they figure things out, um, I think that could be a tough matchup for the Patriots, even in Foxborough.
0: What team don't you want to see in the playoffs? Oh, I don't want to
1: see the Ravens. <laughs> I don't want to see the Ravens at all, but I, I got a feeling that if we're going to make the Super Bowl, we got to go through Baltimore. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson uh, is just playing super football right now. The entire Ravens team is playing super football. They're um, Dangerous throughout the entire lineup. Uh, they play fast and tough on defense. Uh, you know, I, shout out to Brandon Williams, uh, you know, Missouri Southern Lion. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Missouri Southern Lion as well, and, you know, uh, he, he's just big in the middle for them. So they have a solid lineup. Uh, I think that they will present a, a terrible matchup for the Bills, especially because, you know, we have some trouble covering tight ends. And, and I think that, you know, the Andrews, um, they really know how to use their tight ends well on that offense. They run the ball well. And you just never know when Lamar is just going to tuck the ball and run. And, uh, you know, how do you, how do you plan for all of that?
0: What do you think the biggest difference between this year and last year was for this Bills team?
1: Uh, You know, it's just the process. I think that last year, uh, you know, Josh Allen was – he was just still a young quarterback. He was getting to know himself. He was getting to know his teammates. Um, I think he came out with a lot more confidence this year. Um, That leadership role, he really – matured over the course of a year and I think that's been the biggest difference um, you know we, we knew we were going to have a good defense but the real question mark coming into the year was Josh Allen and how he was going to perform on a week-to-week basis and, you know I think he's really kind of met the challenge um, that Sean McDermott put in front of him uh, he's really just improved on his passing even with a lack of weapons I mean I know you know Brown has had a, a good year and Beasley's been consistent um, but you know they don't really have the game-breaker wide receiver that, you know, a lot of the Bills Mafia, we call it in our, in our Facebook group. We just don't have that one receiver that, you know, you can just throw the ball up to and he's going to go get it. Yeah, I think Josh Allen's been the biggest difference this year for us, and, and I think he will be a difference for us in the playoffs as well.
0: When it comes to the Super Bowl prediction, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? And what is the final score?
1: Woo. Um, so that makes it hard because, you know, the journalist in me definitely wants to pick with my head. Um, but, you know, if I pick with my heart, I'm saying the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills. And I'd say uh, the Packers are still they're I think they're farther ahead right now than the Bills. I would say it would be a, a 30 to 20 Super Bowl win for the Packers. But, you know. You never know. (laughs) I think Baltimore is pretty good in the AFC, so if it wasn't the Bills, it would probably be Baltimore. And uh, a Packers versus Ravens Super Bowl, I think that would be out of sight. I don't know. I still see the Packers coming out of it uh, 31, probably 31-27 if that were the matchup. But uh, I think the Packers are are starting to put something together. and You know when Aaron Rodgers locks in, uh, things could get dangerous.
0: The Kansas City Chiefs, are AFC West champions. They had a pretty good season after last year's disappointing heartbreak in the AFC championship game against New England. And they're looking like they have a chance to vie for another Super Bowl again. And with me to discuss the Chiefs is Artie Abbott. How are you doing today, Artie?
9: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing absolutely great. Thank you for coming on the podcast and discussing your Chiefs fandom and as well as giving your take on the team this year. Absolutely. How long have you been a fan of the team?
9: Uh, so I started watching football when I was nine years old. Uh, my mom was a Joe Montana fan, um, and not a lot of people remember, but he retired from uh, Kansas City after the 49ers. Um, it's like 93, 94. Uh, he retired from Kansas City, and I just, that's when I started watching football, so I just stayed with him.
0: I, I remember those teams, Marcus Allen, too, after he had left the Raiders, and man, so many guys, Neil Smith,
8: yeah.
0: uh, Derek Thomas.
8: Oh, man, yeah. It's just crazy. For sure.
0: I'll admit, I am not a big, you know, I'm a big Washington Redskins fan, but I remember those days in the early 90s watching those games on NBC when they were the AFC at the time. And it's just like, it's crazy how. Loaded that conference was. You had the Chiefs. You had the Browns with Belichick. You had you had the Colts, uh, Patriots of course. A so time with under Parcells, and you had a couple other teams in between. Steelers were always felt pretty good. I mean, ever since they moved conferences, they've been fairly good, except for maybe in yeah, yeah. the '80s or other than that. But to you, what was your most memorable Chiefs moment?
9: Uh, just recently, 2016, the uh, Texans playoff win, uh, 30-0, Kansas see Randy opening uh, kickoff bat. Uh, that was the first win we had, uh, playoff win we had since the 94 season. So it was long overdue, long overdue.
0: Chris, crazy. I remember Marty Schottenheimer, Dick Vermeil, Herm Edwards, all those guys in between before Andy Reid got there and sort of changed things around and, and got them back to their winning ways. When Andy Reid was hired, what were your thoughts on that?
9: I mean, Andy's always been a good regular season coach. I know he's had some, um, some time management issues and maybe not the best playoff record, but, I mean, I feel like he got us over to Hump, really a uh, good play caller uh, for the most part. So I was pretty excited to see him in there.
0: What were your expectations coming into the year, especially after seeing how close it went down to the wire in the AFC Championship game and going into overtime and everything? Were there yeah, it, thoughts of a hangover?
9: I didn't think so. I was uh, pretty high on them. I mean, I felt like, you know, we were coin toss away from the Super Bowl last year. I feel if we get the ball first, uh, we drive down a score like Brady did. So I had some high expectations. Uh, I knew we had uh, Spags on as a DC coming in and some other defensive players that were going to hopefully get a defense over the top. It took a little while, but they're looking pretty good now. So uh, I had some high expectations to definitely at least win the AFC West again and make a run at the AFC Championship.
0: Was there a point in the season where you felt the team was going to make the playoffs easily?
9: Um there's a couple uh the Ravens win even though it was early in the season because the Ravens had blew out their first two competitors. I mean, the Ravens were looking good early. So the Ravens win was a big one and then just watching the rest of the AFC West struggle uh the Chargers weren't, you know, doing as good as they should have been. Um the Raiders and then the Broncos with Flacco. I thought Flacco maybe would change that around, but uh that didn't work out so uh, for the most part, you know, just watching the AFC West struggle, I, I thought we could win the uh, conference pretty pretty easily.
0: Did you feel at a point there was a chance where Kansas City might not make the playoffs?
9: Yeah, the Denver game when Mahomes goes down. I mean, that looked bad. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, I thought that could be season-ending. And we were already uh, on a two-game skid there, so lose that. You're three in a row, and you get behind the eight ball early with a backup quarterback. I thought that might be it for sure.
0: When it comes to the playoff matchups, what team in the playoffs do you think you match up well the most with?
9: Um, I, I would like to see Pittsburgh sneak in there. I just, I mean, they got a good defense, but uh, I think their secondary still, still suspect, and uh, Mahomes can throw on them, and their offense just is is not that great at all. And I mean, I know you don't want to see Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, but I mean, we're two and zero against them now, so I mean, I feel like we match up well against the Ravens. Uh, things may change in Baltimore, but so far, so good against uh, Jackson and the Ravens.
0: Who's the team that you don't want to see in the playoffs?
9: Yeah, I mean, we're 1-3 against the AFC South, uh, but, I mean, I think that, you know, there's some regular season uh, flukes there. Um, I don't think we're going to see Tom Brady. I don't think anybody will see Tom Brady in Foxborough in January. I mean, he's the greatest, and uh, you don't want to go to Foxborough, and it looks like we might be there in the second round of the playoffs, so we'll see.
0: Where did the season turn around? Was it once Mahomes came back from his injury, or do you think it was some other point?
9: A little after uh, Mahomes came back because um, we did lose a uh, game to the Titans there, a uh, tight one. Um, I mean, I thought that we played the Packers. Uh, it was a home game, but with Matt Moore, and we only lost by seven, and I think the Packers are a pretty tough team, so I think they learned a lot there playing without Mahomes that they could you know play good football without him. So I would say right around right there, um, and then the defense just probably like the last four weeks has just made like a complete 180.
0: Do you feel in any way that Mahomes has had a regression or you feel like he 's been playing at the same pace it's just the injury might have slowed him down a little bit.
9: I mean maybe a little regression, but I mean you you threw fifty touchdowns, five thousand yards, that's hard to that's hard to do, you know, in duplicate seasons. Um I still think he's there and I, I definitely think right now he's reaching uh the point where he was last year. I mean he's throwing the ball good. Uh the game in snow against Denver, I mean he threw the ball like, you know, no other. I mean it was it was crazy to see the snow not have any impact on him like that, so
0: what team do you think is representing the AFC and what team do you think is representing the NFC and what is the final score for your mock prediction?
9: I like the Saints there. Um, I mean, they were, you know, pulling call away last year from getting there. Uh, they had some struggles, but that offense is just crazy. Uh, I mean, you pretty much have two quarterbacks there with uh, Breeze and Tayson Hill. I mean, they can do a lot of things. Uh, so I, I do like them uh, getting in and from the uh, NFC and – not to be a homer, but I, I like the Chiefs' chances now if they play like they're playing now. Um, you already beat the Ravens this year. You already beat the Patriots, so you know you can do it. Um, it's just you know, you know, not getting a bye might might hurt a little bit. Getting that week off uh, and only having one home game, but seven to one on the road. So uh, three or four losses came at home, so maybe the home field advantage isn't as much as us Chiefs fans would like to think. So I like Chiefs and Saints. Uh, I can't pick against the Chiefs. So I think it'd probably be a Uh, Probably a little high-scoring game. I would say like 35-32, 35-30 Chiefs. Uh, I think this would be a good one.
0: And it seems like when it comes to sports, and especially any sporting event between two high scoring teams, it ends up being a defensive uh, event. You have low scoring right, games yeah. and things like that. Everybody can just look back to last year's unfortunate Super Bowl, just where you thought you're going to have two teams probably combining for 100 points, and they don't even combine for 20.
9: Yep, it was uh, definitely a Super Bowl changes things. But it should be a good one if that's it. Chief Saints, that'd be a, I think that would be a pretty entertaining game to watch for sure.
0: The Baltimore Ravens are the top seed in the AFC, and they've had a pretty dominant season, especially on the arm and leg of Lamar Jackson, who's a potential MVP candidate. And with me to discuss the season that the Ravens had is Ravens fan Rick Manick. How are you doing today, Rick?
3: Oh, uh, doing great. Well, how are you?
0: I'm doing absolutely fine. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast and discuss the Ravens. Getting started, how long have you been a fan of the Ravens?
3: Oh, Lord, I go back to the Baltimore Colts uh, when I was growing up, uh, the Johnny Unitas days, uh, when we actually uh, lost to the Jets, that heartbreaker. I was two years old, going way back, the greatest game ever played, 1958, I believe. And a lot of people forget, the Colts actually won back-to-back world titles in 58, and the only time they won it in Baltimore at Memorial Stadium was 1959, the, the following year. We went to two Super Bowls, lost to the Jets in Super Bowl three, beat the Dallas Cowboys in probably what was the ugliest Super Bowl win, but we'll take it, on a Jim O'Brien field goal. Uh, I was a Stallions Fan as well, Stallions. For those who don't remember or ever heard of it, the Canadian Football League, the CFL. They've been around forever, over a hundred plus years. They expanded in the early 90s. We were fortunate enough to get a team. Even more fortunate, we were the to this day and probably forever more the only non-Canadian province to win the Grey Cup. I don't think that'll ever happen again. And then. I covered the Ravens from 95 until about 2005 when I headed south to Florida.
0: To you, what is the most memorable moment of being a Ravens fan? What's the biggest moment in your – is it football coming back? Is it the first Super Bowl? Is it the most recent Super Bowl?
3: I got to say, to me personally, it was the first Super Bowl. We had some decent players. We had a quarterback nobody wanted. Uh, Trent Dilfer and Trent's job pretty much was to drive the car and don't turn the ball over but he had a good cast of characters uh, with him. Do you remember when we could not score for a period of about five weeks and how we won the games was our defense which got us to Super Bowl 35 but it was uh, the toe of our field goal kicker, we called him Stovetop, Matt Stover and interesting story Coach Billick, the guys at the time, I believe, stayed at the Sheridan, downtown, before a home game. And there was a movie that Ron Howard directed called Apollo 13. Neat scene, the space capsule is on the dark side of the moon. They have no power. Ground control is trying to bring them back, you know, to Earth. So what they did, they threw all these pieces that were in the capsule in front of ground control. And the ground control leader said to his guys, this is what they have with these pieces. we got to bring them home. Coach Billick's point was the offense wasn't working at that point. Regardless, we're a team. We're going to have to get it together. After that, the team took off. We surprised a lot of people. And um, Ray Lewis, in my opinion, MVP. And also, when we won it in 12, It just showed you the character of a guy named Ray Lewis. You know, um, both of those, Earl, I would say, ran on the back of Ray Lewis. And to this day, um, he's in his rightful place in Canton, Ohio. I would say, though, Super Bowl, the first one to me is my favorite moment
0: expectations coming into the season, I know that Harbaugh was able to make the playoffs and to save his job, and of course Ozzie stepping down and Eric DaCosta taking over. What? How did you expect the Ravens to play?
3: Okay, Eric DaCosta. I go back with Eric when I covered the team. He uh, was a Midwest scout back after he was an intern, but he would not just stop at Division One schools. Eric is such a great evaluator of talent. There was a kid named Ed Hartwell. Ray Lewis goes down with an injury in Cleveland, and this Division Three kid, Ed comes on the scene, picks up the slack, does the Wally Pipp thing, and it, what you saw out of an Eric DaCosta was consistency. Great evaluator of talent, and he was Luke Skywalker, under his Obi-Wan, and that was the great Ozzie Newsom. No question about that. And we're seeing the results now. Ozzie, Obi-Wan is still there, uh, as we used to call the Ravens' headquarters, the, uh, the Taj. And uh, John Harbaugh is probably one of the most underrated coaches in the league. A lot of people wanted to ride John out of town the last couple of years for not making the playoffs. But he turned it around this year. He... Uh, Gave the keys to a young man named Lamar Jackson who we was fortunate enough to get in the first round. But what this team has done, my expectations, I figured we'd get in the playoffs, Earl, truthfully. I had no idea we'd be the best team in football at 14-2. and two. What a ride.
0: And then you mentioned you had a feeling they were getting to the playoffs. Was there a point you were worried about them not making the playoffs?
3: Oh, that was easy. We lost in Kansas City in Game 3. A real shootout, if it was maybe played at the big ATM in Baltimore, maybe it would have been reversed. But you've got to give credit where credit's due. Is uh, Patrick Mahomes is one heck of a great, great player. And uh, he carries the Chiefs on his back. He's produced. And um, that's going to be fun if we, uh, I, I believe, the road to Miami is going to go through our friends from Kansas City. But the real turnaround, Earl, to me, was losing to the Cleveland Browns the following week at MT. And it, it was kind of a blowout. I think the score was 40 to 28 or something like that. But just the thought that the Browns had an insult to injury by beating us that bad, I think it really got the guys focused. That what happens next week, they go to Pittsburgh, win it overtime, then it started. We started the roll, and we're still rolling.
0: When it comes to looking at the playoff matchup, what team in the AFC playoffs do you feel like you best match up with?
3: In the AFC, I think we match up the best, probably with the Houston Texans. I believe great quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and boy, Hopkins – I think he's probably the best receiver in the AFC, no question. But um, I think the first time we beat him, it's not an indication of just how good Houston is. But I still think the Ravens match up good to our advantage, where if we do play them next Saturday night, we shouldn't really have an issue.
0: What's the team you're most concerned about in the AFC playoffs?
3: Kansas City, I'm a little concerned about the road to Miami. we got to play them again, no question about it. It's going to be one of those uh, similar games that we saw at Arrowhead Stadium. I really think these are the two best teams in the AFC, no question about it. And it's going to be tooth and nail right to the end. The only thing in our favor, Philadelphia fans, if you're listening, Chiefs have Andy Reid. Earl, has Andy ever won a game that mattered? So that could be in the Ravens' favor. Big red. Comes to crunch time, that's the guy not to have on the sidelines.
0: Looking at prediction of the Super Bowl, who do you have coming from the AFC? Who do you have coming from the NFC? And what is the final score?
3: I got the Baltimore Ravens from the AFC. And from the NFC, I'm going to go for a rematch of Super Bowl that we had in 2012 against... The San Francisco 49ers, I believe the final score is going to be Baltimore 42, San Francisco 37, MVP number eight, and I'm not talking Cal Ripken, you know who I mean.
0: It's interestingly enough that a lot of people are saying Raven Saints when you look at the things because everybody thinks that Garoppolo is too inconsistent, but... They feel like the Saints have shown they can play without Drew Brees, and that it could be basically a a battle of gunslingers come Super Bowl time.
3: That would be sweet. There's no question about that. But, um, you know, the NFC, though, Earl, getting back to them a little bit, we haven't touched on that real quick. Um, Did you ever foresee three quality teams and four Count Seattle, and let's go to Minnesota. Five out of the six teams, and that division that the Eagles are in—nothing against the Eagles, but let's face it—I think they're one and done. Uh, but the other teams in the NFC—that's—they're—they're uh, they're showing pretty good dominance over there compared to our record in the AFC for the most part.
0: Jill Ferdell, a lifelong Packers fan. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of this interview. How long have you been a fan of your team?
10: I have been a Packer fan since birth, Earl. When you're born in Wisconsin, uh, you are born with green and gold blood. So it's in our DNA. So I have four brothers and a sister, my dad and my mom. My mom actually was born in Illinois, but she became a Packer fan by marriage. And so we were all uh, Packer fans from birth. And I remember there was a final album that came out. Ray Scott was the longtime Packers announcer. And it had all of his famous calls from those great Packer teams of the early 60s. And my brothers and I would reenact uh, Bart Starr uh, with that quarterback sneak during the ice bowl, uh, getting into the end zone behind Jerry Kramer and Chuck Mercene on top of him with his arms extended with the touchdown call. And we would reenact that as Ray Scott uh, had that call for the Packers. It was just so famous. So, yeah, Packer fans since birth.
0: I was about to ask uh, your most memorable moment for your team. Would that be the one or would the later Super Bowls with Brett Favre, would those
10: count? The best moment as a Packer fan, uh, I actually went to the Super Bowl um, 45 in Dallas when the Packers played the Steelers. Uh, Two of my brothers and my nephew and I went. My brother bought the tickets. We stayed with a friend of his in Dallas. So we were actually at the game. And the Packers uh, beat the Steelers. We were It was the fourth quarter, and the Steelers had the ball with about two minutes to go. The Packers were up 31-25, and I looked down the row, and my brother is in prayer, so I know... <laughs> And, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger had the ball in his hands, and we were all just like, just third down, fourth down, and then we just we were jumping up and down, hugging each other. All the Packer fans were going crazy. That stadium was filled with Packer fans and Steeler fans um, because both of those teams travel well, and everybody wanted to be at that game. And we stayed at that stadium for like an hour afterwards. I swear, we were one of the last people to leave, and just to have those pictures. To see the confetti fall, to see um, Aaron Rodgers become the Super Bowl MVP, to see Roger Staubach bring the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, we always think that belongs to us as Packer fans. And to see it handed over to the Packers in person, that was my best moment as a Packer fan by far.
0: Heading into the season, what were some of the expectations that you were having?
10: I think our expectations were in transition. Obviously, we had a terrible season last season. I think our expectations were, my expectations as a fan were, maybe we can get into the playoffs. Um, we knew we were going to have an improved defense. We went out in free agency and got the Smith brothers, and we thought, I thought the defense would be better. We had some young uh, players in the secondary that were coming along. And then when you have Aaron Rodgers, you always feel like you're in it. And obviously, we Aaron Jones has come on uh, as a superb running back. Uh, So we thought we had the pieces there, but we wasn't sure with the new coach, with Matt LaFleur, how they were going to come together. So I think my expectations were, you know, maybe we can sneak into the playoffs. I thought that that was my expectation as a fan.
0: Was there a point in the season where you felt your team was going to make the playoffs?
10: I think I think the first moment was when we went to Dallas and really dominated the Cowboys team. Now they, now you see what the Cowboys are, and they're kind of a pretender, but to go on the road early in the Matt Lafleur regime and go in and really dominate that team. You know, we won 34-24, a little bit closer at the end, but the Packers really dominated physically, I thought, the Cowboys on that day. And then I think the second time that I really started to believe uh, when, when they got to 10 wins. I think um, any team, any NFL team, when you can get to 10 wins, you are pretty much assured a playoff spot, and the Packers got to that 10th win pretty early. They beat the Redskins, and that was the 10th win. And I thought, I think, we've, I, think we're, I think we're in. We're going to make it. I think there were those building blocks along the season, and he said, hey, this team, uh, we might be winning ugly, but uh, I'll take an ugly win over a beautiful loss any day.
0: Was there a point where you were worried about the Packers making the playoffs?
10: I think the biggest worry came during that very ugly loss to the Chargers on the road. I thought the Chargers had been playing basically road games all season, even in their own stadium. And it was dominated by Packer fans. And the Packers just, they looked slow. They looked, you know, not focused. I thought that was a really bad win against a kind of inferior Chargers team. I think that was the best game that the Chargers have played this season from what I've seen, but the Packers just played poorly, and I thought, is this the point where the wheels start to come off? Are things not gelling? And then when they bounce back the the next week in that snow game against Carolina, I thought, all right, they've righted the ship, and that was just a blip, and I think every team has blips. I think if you look... Uh, From 1 to 32 in the NFL, every team has vulnerabilities, and every team loses games you think they should win.
0: What team do you feel that the Packers match up well with?
10: I think obviously we match up well with uh, Minnesota. We've beaten them twice, and just last Monday night really dominated them in Minneapolis, which I think was just a tremendous um, credit to the team and to the coaching to go in there and just physically manhandle the Vikings. I thought was very impressive on the road, you know, in a game that's going to decide, the, basically decide the division, uh, or at least give the Vikings a chance to win the division. I think that was a superb win. So I think we really match up well with the Vikings. I think we can, the Packers can both run on the Vikings and sneak in some passes. And I think defensively, we match up pretty well with the Vikings as well. And And now we know if we do play them in the playoffs, it will be at Lambeau, and I think that gives us another advantage.
0: What's the team that you hesitate to want to see in the playoffs?
10: (laughs) I do not want to see San Francisco again. I think the Packers do not match up well against them. I think they have those inside defensive rushers against the Packers' guards and center, and they obviously just manhandled them in that game at San Francisco. I think, obviously, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers would put their heads together and come up with another plan to take on the 49ers, and if all falls into place, and if we do have to play the 49ers again, hopefully that game will be in in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, and I think that would make a difference. It's kind of hard to get your footing in the middle of the field when it's frozen, Uh, so hopefully that frozen tundra would come in handy to face the 49ers again.
0: What were your impressions on LaFleur, especially when he was hired, I know, a long time with Mike McCarthy, being the head coach, everybody gets sort of, I guess, complacent with their coach, and then a new coach comes in. You think, okay, what's the big change going to be?
10: I think the big change was going to be uh, in more innovation in the offense. I think as you watch Mike McCarthy, I was always a big Mike McCarthy fan, and obviously won a Super Bowl uh, with the Packers, but I think one of the things he did not do was to innovate, and you've seen that in the NFL. You have the run-pass option. You have more running quarterbacks. You have more jet sweeps, you just have more things, more misdirection, defenses are so fast, so good, you have to come up with something um, that will be different. And I think if you give any NFL defense, you give those coaches time to look at an offense, they're going to figure out a way to at least stop one thing that your offense does. I think Matt LaFleur, I have been very impressed with how he game plans from game to game. Uh, Bill Belichick says as well, you have to find the weakness in your opponent and attack it. And I think that's what Matt LaFleur has done. He hasn't just handed the ball to Aaron Rodgers and say, go out there and win the game for us. Because some teams are going to be weak against the run. So Aaron Jones is close to a thousand yards. He he could hit um, 20 touchdowns um, this season. They have uh, used um, I think uh, just a better variety in their offense with Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers and um, and Adams. Uh, you know I wish they had a little bit stronger tight end to take advantage of the middle of the field. I think we just don't have the um, tight end who can really move and exploit the middle of the field but I, the Packers are now using Adams in the slot and, uh, and and taking advantage of that on those crossing patterns that seems to be where a lot of weaknesses are and defenses are in the middle of the field So I think the Packers have figured out some ways to do that and I really credit LeFleur for, for doing that but he, he does I think does innovate his game plan from game to game maybe we're not blowing people out like the Packers used to do but I'll take a 2015 win every day over a 34-30 loss. Going
0: to the Super Bowl predictions, I know a lot of times people will pick their team to go on to the Super Bowl. Who do you think will represent the NFC? Who do you think represents the AFC? And what do you think the final score will be?
10: I did not believe at the beginning of the season that the Packers would go to the Super Bowl. I thought the playoffs would be good, but I am not going to bet against them at this point. Uh, I am going to pick the Packers, I think, especially if – the playoffs um, go through Lambeau Field. That just gives them an advantage, both from a, a running game perspective. I think the Packers have a very strong offensive line. and You get to those frozen fields, and if you can push the you know the defenders out of the way and make room for Aaron Jones, he, Packers can exploit. I think any defense that would come into Lambeau Field. So I you know I think the I think the the you know the the trendy pick is to take. San Francisco or New Orleans because they're so fast and uh, they seem to be good across the board, but I think the Packers are good across the board, so I'm not going to bet against my Packers. I'm going to take the Packers from the NFC, and then I'm going I'm to take the Chiefs from the AFC. I think they uh, have proved that they can play on the road with anybody, and they're probably going to have to do that, and they'll probably have to you know win three games to get to the Super Bowl. I think with that quarterback, Mahomes, uh, he is outstanding. He can move. He can play in all sorts of weather. You look at the snow games they've played in and rain. And I think, you know, he missed a couple of games, so he's a little bit fresher than some other quarterbacks um, because he had to sit out. And I think that defense is improving. So I do – and Andy Reid, again, is, I think, another coach who can innovate and exploit a defense's weaknesses. And I think he's obviously going to have to do that. Uh, you know, he's going to have to either play New England or Baltimore. But I think they have the ability to to hang in there. So I do like the Chiefs. I'm going to go against some of the trends and uh, pick some teams. So I think in the Super Bowl, we're going to have a rematch of Super Bowl II when the Packers play the Chiefs. And I like the Packers to win uh, 31-25, the same score that the Packers beat the Steelers. So I'm gonna, I like that score, so I'm going to choose it again.
0: The San Francisco 49ers. They've really been one of the best teams in the conference all year long. And one of the people who will talk on it is Jeff Scott, who has been on the show before and, you know, a diehard 49ers fan. He jumped at the chance when I put out the post on social media about representing the teams. And Jeff, I'm glad to have you here uh, to talk about the 49ers this season.
11: Hey, it's nice to be back, Earl. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh yeah, no problem. For those people who may not have heard your previous episode, how long have you been a fan of the Niners?
11: I'd say for over 20 years. I've been a fan pretty much my whole life because there was uh no Ravens growing up, you know. Both you and I are from Maryland and uh ever since the Colts slinked out in the uh, early 80s, we didn't have the Ravens growing up and I didn't have any desire to be a uh Redskins fan, you know, since so uh growing up we had the um 49ers with uh, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. It's just, you know, seeing Jerry Rice, he reminded me so much of Kyle Rikin with his hard work ethic. So it was just an easy decision to become a 49ers fan.
0: What is your most memorable moment as a 49ers fan?
11: <sighs> wow. Just the many Super Bowl wins of the early 90s. You know, watching them play, especially one of them when Steve Young took over as a quarterback and Joe Montana went to the Chiefs. And, They just continue to steamroll everybody in the 90s. That's probably got to be one of the biggest. And Frank Gore, those are some of my earliest and continuing memories of the 49ers. Also, when I got uh, my starter jacket in the 90s, I uh, really loved that. And they're starting to come back now.
0: Was there a point in the season that you felt the 49ers were going to make the playoffs?
11: Uh, That 8-0 start. And then we lost to the Seahawks. Well, that squib kicked, but I knew we were going to make the playoffs when we had the 8-0 run. That was just magic, and made up for the past three seasons where we started horribly and continued to have those horrible runs.
0: With such a strong start to the year, I guess, was there a point where you were worried about the Niners making the playoffs? Not at all. Initially, what were your expectations coming into the season for the Niners? No one was expecting 8-0 start.
11: I was looking forward to seeing – Kittle with his continued runs. Breda continued a uh, factor for me. And um, when I found out we got Coleman, I was looking forward to that. And seeing Garoppolo, just a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, and Garoppolo only got to play in like two games last year, I believe. And just to see him come back um, stronger this year as he's continuing to improve, I'm looking forward to turning my daughter into a 49 er fan. And uh, that's going to be a long continuing tradition. I'm hoping to start in our family.
0: Looking at the teams in the playoffs, who's the team that you feel the Niners match up the best with?
11: I think the best game we've played so far this year has been with the Ravens. To be honest, it was 20-17. to 17. We played against the Seahawks and barely lost to them, and we didn't have Kittle or Emmanuel Sanders.
0: Who's the team that the Niners match up with in the
11: NFC? The NFC? Um, it's a hard show. I would always say maybe the Packers, but they crushed them when they played them. Because they have a good team. Who's the
0: team that, as Niners fans, you guys don't want to see again in the playoffs?
11: Hmm, the Saints. Drew Brees has a cannon, and they have a lot of weapons.
0: Yeah, and I think especially looking at New Orleans and how the Niners eked out that game and then the turnaround against Atlanta, it makes you sort of think, was that game against the Saints, did they get so high and then fall into that trap game against the Falcons?
11: That's true. You know, and I was able to watch the games against the Saints, but uh, that I didn't get a chance to watch the game against the Falcons, but they barely beat the Saints, you know. It's just so much offense in that game, and we won with our pass and the run, but our strength is our running backs in our run game because we have three running backs that we can go with, Coleman, Mustard, and Breda. But, you know, it depends on sometimes what quarterback you're going to get. Jimmy G, is he going to throw four touchdowns, or is he going to throw two interceptions. Sometimes it just depends.
0: What is your Super Bowl prediction? Who's going to come out of the AFC, who's coming out of the NFC, and what's the final score going to be?
11: 49ers and Ravens, 24-20, 49ers.
0: A win for the Niners would get them back into the top with the Steelers and the Patriots now with six rings. Do you think that people have really slept on the Niners with their lack of success over the past 10-plus years, I guess. Well, I wouldn't say 10 years, but over these past few years, between the Harbaugh and now Kyle Shanahan, uh, 10 years. Yeah,
11: I think they have, especially with the whole entire Kaepernick thing. But, you know, it's just I think they've been wanting to put the Niners on the back burner, and Shanahan has brought us back to greatness again. And you can't do that. You can't put the Niners on the back burner anymore. We've showed people that we are going to dominate and destroy. And the only team that stands a chance against us is the Ravens.
0: Another one of our guests who has been on this show before, you know him, you've heard him before, my brother Edward Holland Sr. How are you doing, Eddie?
12: Doing good. How are you doing?
0: Doing great. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, as a Niners fan, there's been a lot of big success this
12: year. Uh, yeah, honestly, I wasn't expecting San Francisco to be this good. I mean, we some glimpse of it last year, even with uh, switching back and forth with quarterbacks between Beth Hart and uh, Mullins. But I actually saw potential in Nick Mullins come towards the end of the season last year. In a lot of games last year, we actually were in it. But, you know, once again, defense collapse. And just some teams we played were really tough.
3: How long have
0: you been a fan of the Niners, for those who may have not heard you on previous episodes of the podcast?
12: Oh, gosh. Uh, let's, let's date back all the way to, like, 1994, 95 when uh, Steve Young was the quarterback i know of joe montana and the montana era but i was more like a steve young era when Jim and jerry rice were connected with each other
0: what was your most memorable 49ers moment as a fan
12: the most memorable point out moment was when terrell owens caught that tight window pass but well, i think my most memorable uh, moment was when alex smith uh when they were facing the saints and i can always remember Always hearing the sportscast is saying is that San Francisco won't be able to go blow for blow with the Saints. You say Alex Smith didn't have it in him. Well, Alex Smith beat the Saints. That was in 2012. He went 13 and 3, and then the infamous Kyle Williams play, which really took the damn still upset about.
0: Two times that happened with Kyle Williams. It wasn't even just that, it was just the muff punt, and then there was another one that happened that championship game against the Giants because. Man, I honestly thought that we were watching that game in Newark and we remember we thought, man, they're going to make the playoffs. I I think that's the same day that Billy Cundum missed the kick for the Ravens and it would have been, I think, Niners-Ravens in that Super Bowl had that not happened and ended up getting Giants-Patriots again.
12: Yeah, and that's when, unfortunately, Eli Manning won his second Super
11: Bowl.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the only man he could beat in the Super Bowl is Tom Brady and... Tom Brady, you always sort of wonder, you lose to a backup quarterback and you lose to Eli Manning twice in the Super Bowl. What does that make you feel about your record? I mean, he could easily be like 3-5 and five right now or 3-6. and six. Yeah, that's
6: true. No thanks
12: to uh, Adam Vinatieri.
0: Adam Vinatieri, um, Daryl Bevel on the Seahawks not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Um, Kyle Shanahan not knowing how to uh, run a functioning offense up 25 points.
12: Keep the gas pedal on, man. Keep the gas pedal warm.
0: What were your expectations coming into the season for the Niners?
12: Uh, expectation was at least a 500 or above record. Like I say, I really didn't know too much about Jimmy G, so I really didn't know what to expect from him. Once again, we uh seen a glimpse of Matt Breida last year. He did very well. I don't know, man. I just like the defense. It's the same defense it was last year. He just added another high-profile player with Nick Bosa, and um, you see the front line is doing their thing. But as the past couple of weeks, the expectations of that uh, secondary, which I was kind of worried about, is showing its ugly heading in this year, i.e. the last drive with the Falcons and the uh, last drive with the Seahawks.
0: Was there a point of the season that you felt that the Niners were going to the playoffs, and I know that's fairly easy once they ran out eight wins in a row, barring some epic collapse, all they had to do was win at least half or a third of those games, and they were going to easily get in the playoffs with 10-plus wins?
12: Well, I always say it every year. San Francisco is going to the playoffs. I looked at the schedule this year. I said there's only three potential losses on there that we can lose to. It was the Saints, the Packers, and um, at the time – the Steelers, but I didn't know the real the Ravens were going to be so good, so I didn't I didn't really credit them out because I didn't know anything about Lamar Jackson. So last year he did all right in the playoffs, but you know, but this year he's doing something phenomenal. And on top of that, the Steelers unfortunately lost their quarterback. The Packers they're winning ugly games, but they're also haven't played anybody, so you know. But yeah, I said it this year they probably go 13-3, and four. Just looking at that. At the, at the schedule.
0: Was there a point you were worried that they weren't going to make the playoffs? Uh,
12: a couple weeks ago, when the Rams were actually starting to look like the Rams, and then when he lost to the uh, Cowboys, then I was like, nah, I got nothing to worry about. Because there's a the potential that, once say, San Francisco did lose the rest of their games. They could have won 11-5. Rams went out. They would have won 11-5. Seahawks one the West. And guess what? San Francisco outside looking in.
0: What team do you think the Niners match up the best with coming into the playoffs?
12: Uh, a better matchup for San Francisco would be uh, the Saints, honestly.
0: What makes them a team that the Niners can handle easily?
12: Because of their defense, the defense is terrible, and as you see in week thirteen or fourteen, is that the Saints can score, we can score, and defense was no factor in that game at all. And it really showed what Jimmy G can do.
0: Who's the team that you're worried about the most seeing in the NFC playoffs? Uh,
12: to be honest with you, it's the Eagles. I mean, their offense can click any time. I can break it down. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are not who they used to be. Aaron Rodgers are scoring 27 points, but they're beating bad teams. You put them against a good defensive team and have them on the roads, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well. Um, New Orleans, on, once again, you get them on the road, Dardone team, natural grasses, can slow their production on of their offense. And in Seattle, you know, you don't know which Seattle is going to come, which Russell Wilson is going to come, what defense is going to come with them. But with the Eagles, man, the Eagles got something to play for. I mean, pretty much them and the Cowboys are laughing stock it in the NFC East, which when you keep being made fun of, you got something to prove.
0: Looking at Jimmy Garoppolo coming back after the knee injury, how would you evaluate how he's looked since then?
12: Jimmy G has been looking like a Pro Bowl uh, quarterback. He throws very good passes. The only thing I'm worried about him is his turnover. He's very turnover prone. When it comes to him getting sacked, nine times out of ten, he'll fumble. When it comes to uh, passings, he throws interceptions. But I do give him credit. Most of the interceptions are not his fault. Most times, they're and the receiver's hands are tipped, and they go into the opponent's hands. But other than that, um, other than those turnovers, Jimmy G, uh, he does it all. He'll move through the pocket. He'll give the receiver's time to get open. When he sees somebody open, he'll drop a dime for them all the time. Nine times out of ten, they're going to catch the ball and score. I might add, too, that he's doing this without high-profile receivers. Remember a couple of years ago, we went to the Redskins game, and I'm talking about George Kittle, how he were dropping the passes left and right.
0: Yeah, what a difference a few years can make, especially all of a sudden when he's uh become one of the uh the scariest tight ends, you know, where Jimmy Graham used to be that guy. Now it's Kittle.
12: That's true. Kittle is showing them year after year. I mean, not only can he catch, he can block. Not only can he can catch block, he can run the ball like he's a dang old running back, man. Yeah, so, it's like, like a know.
0: fullback too. It's like yeah. trying to take down an offensive lineman.
12: Yeah, you check.
0: Going into the Super Bowl predictions, who do you have representing the AFC? Who do you have representing the NFC? And what will the final score be?
12: Uh, we're going to have a rematch of um, a Week 10. It will be the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Just as we saw Slugfest in the rain, we'll probably see a high-scoring game. In the Super Bowl, give or take. Let's say uh, I said San Francisco 38, Baltimore 35, and this time we get revenge. Robin Gold will have ice waters in his veins.
0: I'd like to thank all my guests for being a part of this very special episode. Next time, my guest finally will be Vinny Varadarajan, 15-time Sports Jeopardy! champion. Vinny and I will discuss his remarkable run, including how he made it on the show, what it's like behind the scenes, and whether he'd try out for the regular version of Jeopardy! We'll also talk about what it's like being a New York sports fan, and much more. You can listen to episodes of the Sports Refuge podcast anywhere our podcasts are heard, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, CastBox, as well as the iHeartRadio app. Until next time. This is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at thesportsrefuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports blog, and on Facebook at thesportsrefuge sports blog. Thank you for listening.